You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to issue 23 of the Comic Book Informer podcast. We're coming to you on Wednesday, April 27th. And as usual, I'm Vince with my the hardest working man on the Internet co-host, Roger. What's up, buddy? Not too much. Not too much. I like that title. Keep that title from now on. Hey, you write it down. All right, so we're going to flow into a little bit of movie news we got here this week. Uh, We just found out yesterday that Marvel has started production and filming on the Avengers movie. I'm very excited about this. This is obviously, we're getting a ton of superhero movies this year, both from Marvel as well as from DC. Not quite as many from DC, but still. Uh, Green Lantern is really ramping up the media frenzy right now you you can't look at a comic book site without seeing freaking reynolds all over the place looking like an idiot in that costume wish i could god (laughs) and and stupid fancy pants thor which i mean that's coming out soon but between that and then we've got the captain america we've got the x-men x-men um uh, uh, Origin. We'll get ones. to that. Yeah, yeah. We'll get to yeah. <laughs> but the point I'm trying to make is that we're getting a ton. Plus, another Iron Man is coming out. Um, I don't know whether or not it's going to be too much. You know what I mean? Although they're just starting production, so I don't know what they're estimating as the actual release date of this movie. Um, I, I've got confidence in the the cast and with the the the, uh, the the director, obviously. So I don't know. I'm I'm kind of excited, but at the same time, the potential for too too large a cast, too many individual little storylines and everything could really bog this down. Yeah, I mean, this could either be the greatest superhero movie ever made or the biggest disaster ever. But um, one one cool little thing that they revealed today is that. Uh, or not today, yesterday, I'm sorry, is that Tom Hiddleston will be recurring his role of Loki from the Thor movie in Avengers. So that's a great uh, way of tying the movies together. And for those who don't know, in issue one of the Avengers back in the 60s, Loki was the first villain they fought. So there's a nice bit of continuity there that I like. Yeah, again, it has the potential to do really well. I mean, if you look at, say, again, the X-Men movies, um, as bad as the you know, second and third one were, at least it was, it was still entertaining. The first one I really quite enjoyed and it is a large cast, but they really spotlighted certain characters, spotlighted, spotlit, spotlighted, we'll go with um, certain characters. And that's what they're going to have to do with this Avengers movie. Not knowing what the script is, who knows who those characters are going to be that are going to be spotlighted. Yeah. Well, at least they don't have to worry about the origin stories. That's out of the way. So that's that's a good uh, yeah. stepping stone. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, speaking of the X-Men, just today, like minutes ago was the first time I saw it, as well as you. Uh, we've gotten a new trailer for X-Men First Class. Now, when I first heard about this movie, I was intrigued. But then the more I heard about it, I honestly really didn't care. I mean, it cast of thousands isn't really that far off from the truth from what we've seen so far. They're, they're, they're throwing a bunch of characters in there, but I do have to say the trailers have been really good. Like with each trailer, I've actually grown a little more interested in it. And with the one we saw today, 
I'm kind of drawing an interesting parallel between this and the Wolverine movie. In the Wolverine movie, I really liked the interaction between Logan and Sabretooth. And then the cobbled together cast of whoever the fans wanted to see was a disaster. And that's kind of what I'm seeing here. The stuff with Xavier and Magneto looks really good. But then you have the cobbled together cast and it's like, I'm okay with the the break from continuity, but I it's just not meshing to me with the characters they've chosen. See, I don't think that the um, the story of Xavier and Eric is going to be strong enough to to maintain that movie. I know that basically it's it's not an X Men movie. It's a it's a freaking Magneto movie, is what it is. That's at least what it's shaping up to look like. And I don't think that that storyline is strong enough to carry a movie. I, I, it'd be more, it'd be more of a drama than an action movie. Granted, mm-hmm. yeah, there's a lot of action scenes in the, the trailer, but a lot of those involve other characters, and so that's where it's going to be interesting to see how they're drawing in those other characters and and what those characters are going to, um, to be, and just how close they are going to be to the actual comic book versions. Because again, I I personally don't have a problem when a movie strays from the comic book so long as it is its own entity and it's interesting. You know what I mean? There, there's some inter- mm-hmm. instances where I'd rather they follow the lore from the comics, but I'm willing to cut them some slack simply because you have to. It's a different medium. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what they do with the characters, how they play with them and, and have fun with them. Yeah, I mean, there, there's going to be aspects of this movie that I feel I'm going to enjoy, but other ones that I'm just going to cover my eyes for most notably havoc's costume Oof. Yeah, i was gonna say most notably emma i'm sorry i don't need to see a teenage girl in the kind yeah. of clothes that emma wears no thanks i'm past that stage of my life yeah I, it's it's one to keep an eye on but just one not both yeah Anyway, we're going to roll into what we're talking about this week and continuing the X-Men theme. uh, We're talking about Uncanny X-Men and we're starting off with issue 534.1 written by Kieran Gillen with art by Carlos Pacheco. And this is one of Marvel's famous point one issues. And we're not going to get into that discussion very much here just yet. But I, I wrote a review for this for the CBI site. And as if you read the review, you know, I loved this issue. I mean, the things Gillen has done coming from what Fraction did previously as the writer. It's a nice shift. Um, Gillen definitely seems a lot more focused on the characters than the overall story. Like Fraction, which is just driving the story forward with each issue. Drive the story, drive the story. And the characters kind of got lost in between. And that's the thing I'm liking about what I'm seeing here with Gillen is the characters are really returning to the forefront uh, of what the comic is about for me. Really? Because that point one issue was all PR boring stuff. It, the whole concept that the X-Men need PR to me is ridiculous. I, I'm not interested in the least. I, I had absolutely no no nothing when I read this. I I could care less about PR for a superhero team. But when you're trying to you know, have people accept Magneto as a hero now. I I think at least in that aspect, it is kind of needed for the story. Really? Because if I'm looking at it from the the standpoint of, again, you have to allow yourself, it's it's a freaking comic book. You have to allow yourself to 
just let go of all disbelief. Immerse yourself in the story. And what if I lived in this world? Well, if I lived in this world, there are these superhero teams. They're not gonna give a rat's about PR. They may care about what the, their their image is certainly and want to improve upon it, but they'd improve upon it with their actions to actually go out and hire a PR firm to make you look good and take fancy pictures with the, the best photographer in the world while Magneto's leveling a bridge, keeping it from collapsing with cars in the air and everything. No, I don't buy it. I thought it was, I really had no use for that issue at all, really. Okay. Well, that's you. I, I really loved it because I just, I just really liked Magneto in this issue. Every but, line Magneto had was, was really good for me. But, okay, that's completely different. The interactions between Magneto and the PR firm are, are, are true because he's telling them, I don't yes. care about this. That's exactly what I'm saying here. You'll agree with him, but not me. That's not right. <laughs> and furthermore, once again, we have this, this my problem with Magneto on the team. Now, I've been getting caught up with a lot of the, the actual uncanny X-Men series for quite a while back now in order to get caught up with what's been happening because I've been away from them for a little while. So, I mean, just as early as issue 500, which is not even 50 issues, not even 40 issues ago, he was trying to kill them. <laughs> okay. Not just kind of hurt them a little. He was trying to kill them. So now reading that he's part of the team, I still don't like that aspect of what they're doing. I don't I don't buy it that he's part of the team. I don't enjoy it. I don't I it's it's a it's that one point where I'm not willing to let go of my disbelief for that kind of thing. It's like no, that wouldn't happen. I'll I'll give you that. I mean, I'm okay with it, especially the way it was done uh, with Magneto having lost his powers and regained them and not being as strong as he used to be. Uh, he saw Cyclops as accomplishing the one goal he never could of unifying all the mutants under a single banner and realizing that Scott Summers was the rightful leader of the mutant race, not himself. And the way Fraction plays it out, I don't want to ruin it for you if you haven't gotten to that point yet. That particular aspect of it was okay with me. Now, the way he continued to write Magneto beyond that, I did not like. And that's why this issue was so striking for me, because this was a good Magneto for me. Yeah, again, I I hear you, but I disagree. I, I don't okay. buy it. I don't enjoy it. It doesn't make sense. And the concept that he's not as strong as he used to be, he was holding a bridge up with cars floating all over himself. He's plenty powerful. <laughs> I mean, that's powerful, not an issue. But not as strong, yes. Yeah. So <laughs> Remember, I, he, 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 he once lifted a portion of the Earth into space. Okay. So <laughs> still, if, if you're using that as the standard. <laughs> anyway. We're going to move on to issue 535, which actually came out the week after the point one issue. Point one issue came out two weeks ago. 535 came out last week. And this one is, again, written by Gillen with art by Terry Dodson. And this is the first part of the Breaking Point storyline, which brings us back to the good old days of Joss Whedon's Astonishing, Astonishing X-Men. I love that. Tying, tying oh, I love into, that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it was you need a minute. It was just so cool because that was the point when I came back to comics, that astonishing X-Men. That was a series you told me, read this. And I mean, I'd read a couple of Mass Effect things because of the well, playing Mass Effect when we were doing that that podcast. But 
that that run from Whedon for Astonishing X-Men was my reintroduction into comics. So now seeing that in here, it was like, I know this stuff. I'm up to date. <laughs> I'm here. I got you. My <laughs> so yeah, that was, sorry, go on. <laughs> oh, I was, I'm still here. Sorry. <laughs> yes. It's picking up uh, Astonishing X-Men's where Whedon left the storyline. And in the intervening years, nobody has, thought about much let alone done anything with aside from bringing kitty out of her magic bullet they really haven't done anything with it so i think it's great that gillen is going back to this very important and fan favorite storyline and continuing on it telling us what happened afterwards and maybe finally getting some resolution to kitty being in that stupid suit that she's been in for the last couple years because yeah. when she phased the bullet through the earth she was unable to switch back um Magneto sensed the metallic presence when he was regaining his powers. It, it's it's X, an X-Men plot line. I'm not going to explain it that clearly. He brought the bullet back to Earth. Kitty got out, but she cannot return to her physical form. So she has to live in this goofy suit just so she can exist, more or less. And that's where the issue starts out with a scene with her and Colossus on the beach. And I, I got to admit to some fanboy stuff here. I love the Kitty-Colossus relationship. It's It's the one I grew up with. And I still enjoy it, but it, it leads into a nice action scene with Colossus and Namor, which I absolutely loved. I liked the interaction between the two of them there and then straight into the break world stuff. And since you loved Astonishing X-Men so much, uh, how do you feel about the continuation of the story here? Like I said, I loved it. I also really enjoyed the beginning I quite a bit. You, you have to wonder why they didn't just call on Magneto to come because it's a metal beast kind of thing but i mean it did offer it's up a Namor. Nice... he's not going to ask for help yeah well there is that that's a see and that's a character that i just i don't see in the x-men i and that's another one that i'm having a problem with i yeah he he was good in this i enjoyed him in this i enjoyed the interaction between them as they were fighting this beast as well most certainly but it's a character that i don't see fitting in the x-men i just don't but that being said um yeah the, the fight at the beginning was great the uh i love the fastball this time with kitty that was awesome it was like oh that was great even just a little smile from colossus there when she asks for a fastball i thought that was just fantastic i i Obviously, I was reading comic books, too, when they were developing that relationship between the two of them. And I've always liked the relationship as well in most of the comics, because in most of them, it's not a melodramatic, teenage, stupid kind of, gee, I wonder if he likes me kind of thing. I should write him a note and ask. It's it's more mature, even even though they are younger granted at this point i mean they're not kids anymore but even when they were younger it was i enjoyed it more in most of the series certainly not all of them though um so yeah no i enjoyed the fight it was fun to 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 watch and it led very well into the whole problem with kitty as well so i i, I like that they're going to be working on that as well and then the whole the main storyline returning to break world um loved it i frankly i didn't see anything i didn't like i love their their um their interactions with what's her name what's her name agent brand yeah i love that i <laughs> love terry size pain in the neck <laughs> yeah and i love that she had to you know come back and ask for help from them and it, and, and that it was so difficult for her to do really didn't want to and 
but I love that interaction between her and Summers as well, where she's asking for help and, and Magneto's there as well. I, I'm really looking forward to seeing what they're going to be doing with this little story arc a lot. I, I don't want to certainly spoil the end, but... Very interested. I hadn't kind of... I, once again, I let myself get sucked in and I wasn't trying to figure out where it was going. So when it got to the end, it was like, oh, this could be interesting. This is going to be yeah. pretty cool. So yeah, no, I loved it. And this is one of those issues where the art really oh, yeah. complements the story because especially like you said with Agent Brand, she's literally gritting her teeth in every single scene. Like she's just holding back something she wants to say. And like you said, the the, the little smirk on Colossus's face, you know, Wolverine just being Wolverine. The I like the art in this issue. And unfortunately, that's something that's really held uncanny back for me over the years is the art. Um I try not to speak too badly about many people in the industry, but I can't stand Greg Land. <laughs> He's been doing a lot of the art for Uncanny over the last few years, and just Google him. Um, I'm not going to say too much more. <laughs> yeah, I like to do. It's it's not a um, it's not a very fancy style at points. I mean, there's some frames where you look at them, some panels, I should say, that are really not that intricate but you don't have to be intricate to have a good style and this is style this is beautiful style i love who is the artist doing this anyways it's uh, uh terry dodson and then his wife uh, i think i don't have it right with me i think it's jenny is the one that does the uh finishing work yeah we need to give credit where credit is due here because yeah no i i absolutely yeah dodson's i love the artwork i thought it was fantastic and yeah it fits it too and it fits it just as easily when they are on well earth as much as when they were in the ships when they were out in space the coloring was phenomenal too throughout like when you're looking at the the scenes where they are again approaching the other vessels and all kinds of things like that you're getting the the lighting from different lcds that the and different panels and things like that really yeah no i it's fantastic artwork. Okay. So moving on from the X-Men proper, we're going to touch back in with the character who I'm fairly certain has been featured on more episodes of this show than any other. And that's Wolverine. Uh, we've talked about him several times in the past, uh, most recently with his Wolverine goes to hell storyline uh, when they relaunched his title with a new number one. And while neither of us really liked the first issue, I'm really glad you convinced me to keep reading it. Because with each issue that went by, I did enjoy it a little more. So here in issues six through eight, we have uh, the Wolverine versus the X-Men storyline written by Jason Aaron with art by Daniel Acuna, where Wolverine has returned to his body but still has to fight for control of it uh, with the demons that are still occupying it. And I really enjoyed this, which surprised me. I, I've I've stuck with it. I was like, okay, the, the ghost to hell thing is over with. Let's see where it goes next. And just at the beginning of issue six with the whole uh, Wolverine protocols and Cyclops pulling a Batman on us, I was yes. sucked into this one. <laughs> yeah, I love that too. I And it's, I like when, and I know that you feel the same way too. I like when a proper writer takes on the character of Cyclops. It's, it has to be a writer who understands that there is at this point, especially a lot more and you nailed it. There's a lot more Batman in Cyclops than any other character right now. He can't just be a, um, 
a, a hero who relies solely on his ability. He has to rely on his intellect and this this Batman attitude of carrying kryptonite in your pouch just in case. And and I I really enjoy that. Yeah, but you know he's still Cyclops. Yeah, you know? he especially at the end of issue six when you see Namor and Magneto pushing him to make the call, and you can really tell you know he doesn't want to but when he finally does like like i said in uh, i actually chose issue eight as my comic of the week this week he's compassionate to a point but once he reaches that point it's all business and watch out but enough about cyclops let's continue talking about wolverine here um while his body is fighting the various x-men and there's a lot of good fun to be had there especially phantom x and dr nemesis phantom x has just been universally awesome in anything he shows up in recently and you could tell Dr. Nemesis is one of those characters that every writer just loves to have, uh, you know, have a couple scenes with, have a little fun with him. But the real battle is going on inside Wolverine's own body, his own mind. And I love that he goes into his little, you know, mind castle, the the pagoda, what have you, and starts opening up all the doors and bringing out all of his various personas over the years to to stand by his side and fight back the demonic horde. Uh, I thought that was pretty cool. I love that. Who's in his brain? Not even touching on the major spoiler, but who's in his brain? It's Nightcrawler. I love <laughs> yeah. that that's a part of him, that, that that relationship meant so much to him that out of everyone that he's been with, that he's been you know friends with and all that, who've, who've died or whatever, who's in his brain? Nightcrawler. And Nightcrawler is one of those characters that I really, really, truly miss and I feel was never really given... The, the attention he deserved. It was a character that I've, I've always loved. I love the, the, the amount of drama that you could put with the character based on everything that he's been through and his religious beliefs and everything else. And I, I wish they would have done so much more with him. And so not having him around now really is something that I miss. So seeing him in this was just all manner of awesome. I know you said previously you've been catching up on the Wolverine stories. Did you get to uh, Jason Aaron's Weapon X title yet no not yet that's on my list though okay the last issue of wolverine weapon x which was the one immediately preceding the new wolverine number one um was a flashback and it was an entire issue about wolverine's relationship with nightcrawler and that was actually the only issue of the weapon x run i read and oh my god that that was amazing uh definitely check that one out for a great precursor to this storyline yeah for sure but Everything going on in his head, especially when, you know, the girls show up, you know, all the people who have had a relationship of one sort or another with Logan over the years, uh, they dive in as well. And I, I don't know why I liked it so much, but I loved the scene where they get separated and they start opening up all yeah. the doors in his brain. <laughs> especially Emma, like, OK, I did not need to know that. Yeah. And it, it's, it's a great setup, too. It's just good writing how... One, it establishes a story point for later on in the issue when he, you know, they reach the people I have to kill door. That's a major point for Wolverine's decision in this issue. Not only that, but it does set up some interesting story points for the future with, you know, Melita seeing that he still has all this love for Jean going on. That's definitely something that could be interesting coming up. So I am so surprised that I enjoyed this so much because this is something that easily could have just gone wrong. Oh, yeah. And we've read plenty of bad Wolverine stories over the years with writers that, you know, didn't get it. Like, oh, okay, he's a mean guy. He's got claws. Let's go have him kill a bunch of ninjas. I really have to give credit to Aaron for what he has done on this title. I love it. 
And I think you hit the, the, the nail on the head right there when you say that it could have gone so wrong. And quite frankly, I was positive it was going to. So kudos for the writing that they, they managed to pull it off. Because the entire concept to me was not one that I I could, you know, again, that suspend disbelief. It just I was having such a hard time with it. And there's aspects of this that I still don't like. The fact that he beat the devil. Too much too much the fact that he drew blood would have been enough that would have been ah okay and then let all the other demons take him down fine i could buy that but the fact that he took him down and then nailed him to the wall with his claws broken claws that's when i went nah no you lost me there sorry but bringing him back and then how they they managed to bring him back because you need something that's going to be a mo- make a modicum of sense having them help him in his mind and things like that okay i can buy that and it was done well enough that okay i'm, I, I'm interested you, you you did a good job and i can't perceive of any other way that they actually could have done this good of job finishing off a, a storyline that's so improbable put it that way yeah. And uh, just to wrap up here quickly, um, one thing comparing this storyline to the previous one that really struck out for me, my biggest issue with the previous storyline was that so much of the time was spent on the other characters other than Wolverine, just for the purpose of advancing the plot. So much time spent with uh, Mystique and Hellstrom and the Ghost Riders and what have you. And it didn't add anything to the issue other than plot advancement. Meanwhile, in these issues, again, we get a lot of scenes not featuring Wolverine, but it does a good job of the characterization because here, every issue not involving, or I'm sorry, every page not involving Wolverine himself is really revolving around how the characters featured feel about Wolverine. You know, Cyclops with that relationship they've had over the years. Uh, Emma, you know, all all the girls, how they feel about Wolverine. It really does that much more to build upon Logan's character in the scenes that he's not in. Yep, no, I agree. And uh, just a brief note, uh, Daniel Acuna. He's kind of been my nemesis over the last few months. Every time his name pops up in a comic... I have to cringe. Uh, The stuff he did in New Avengers a few months ago was like, oof, no thank you. And if you look at his art here, issue six looked really good. Not really good. Pretty good. Really? Really uh, Okay. (laughs) Issue six looked decent. (laughs) Issue seven. You're it at that. Allow me to make my point. I will. (laughs) Issue six looked decent. Issue seven was, eh, and then issue eight, it just didn't look good for me. And... Acuna has really been Marvel's go-to guy lately. If they need somebody to draw an emergency issue of a comic because they don't have an artist, he's the one they've been plugging in. And even more so, he does all the art for the issue. He doesn't just do the pencils and hand it off. He does the pencils, the inking, the coloring. He does all the art. So I'd really wish he'd slow down because I like his style, but it's just really not refined enough. And if he would just draw... 22 pages a month, I think he could really put out something that I enjoy a lot more from what we've seen lately. I'm not going to disagree. Okay. So in addition to those things, uh, what else we've been reading? I've been reading Thor. Oh, oh big surprise. Yes, I got Color my giant... Away. I got my giant Thor book oh, in Jesus. the mail, and holy crap, this thing is... It, it, it's big. <laughs> it's near size, if you will. And I'm not going to gush on it too much because I've done plenty of that. Um, it's those stories from the 80s I loved. 
But one thing I really have to point out is they recolored everything with uh, more modern inking techniques, and it just looks phenomenal. I Every page of this just looks great. A uh, huge gallery in the back with sketches, covers. I love it. I'm not going to gush on it more because uh, I'll need to change my pants. So but Princess Fanana Bottom's curly locks are even blonder? Yes, and they're glorious. Aren't they, though? they got a little twinkle and sparkle to them. So enough of my gushing. What do you have to gush about, Roger? Return of the Dapper Men. Okay, now for folks who have been following what we've been saying about the Eisners and how we're trying to cover as much as we can of the, the nominees and whatnot, I had ordered Return of the Dapper Men on uh, at Amazon and it showed up this week. Actually, sorry, it showed up last week. And I finally got a chance to just sit down and read it because this is not just, you know, a, an issue that you can blow through in 10 minutes. This is a book. This is a phenomenal, absolutely amazing graphic novel. It's the, just to give a very brief, because I know that we're going to try to stay on track this, this issue, um, the story is along the lines of a Wizard of Oz or an Alice in Wonderland. It's that kind of amazing story that if you allow yourself to actually become a part of it, it will change the way you see things. It's absolutely astounding in every regard. It's been nominated for five Eisners. Expect a review. I've been working on it. I'm trying to get the wording perfectly just to be able to express how unbelievably impressed I am with it. The, like I was telling you when I, I mentioned that I'd, I'd read it, um, like a lot of folks know, I write as well too. And it's because of writing like this in this story that I want to write. I want to be able to create something that beautiful. So lyrically amazing that you can you can literally lose yourself in the story the the story is there's a lot obviously it's all symbolism and metaphors and everything you have a land where time has stopped and as such there are no nights there are no dreams there are no you don't age and so the children all remain the same age the children start to live below ground and the above ground is all robots and there's no parents anywhere although the symbolism is that the parents are the the, the robots and so there's one boy who does who asks questions whereas the others simply accept that time is stop and go on and there's no distinction between work or play because it's been this way for so long but there's one boy who befriends a robot girl and he does ask questions he does try to figure things out and then a whole whack load of dapper men come floating from the sky down to this world and it's one of those moments where you're like this is like Alice in Wonderland when you're sitting there thinking my god it's quite obvious this guy was stoned when he wrote this because who would think of all these dapper men hundreds of them falling from the sky but they do and one of them can speak the others don't and it's that number 41 I believe is who he is who actually interacts with those two the boy and the girl as well as with the other characters and together they work towards starting time again and resolving a lot of the issues that are in the story the art in the the, the the book is 
it's absolutely incredible. And when you read the back, uh, where you read about the process of how she's doing a uh, a decoupage, kind of where you are, she draws the the panels, she draws the, the page, complete with the panels and everything, then she uses markers, multiple shades of markers, like six, five or six, just for the, the Dapper Men's hair alone, to create all the colors, and then she cuts out everything that is background. She then puts the finished pieces of paper onto um, pieces of pine wood that she buys and paints the backgrounds on the pine wood and then she applies the paper to the pine wood and lacquers over top of it. So that's how you're getting this amazing artwork that just really just pops off the page. And then of course you have the design of the entire uh, book, this absolutely gorgeous hardcover book with a, a beautiful red cloth spine all aspects of the actual design of the book blew me away it, it, it all aspects of the book period blew me away without even having seen or, or read necessarily all of the other nominees i can say that they have their work cut out for them if they're going to impress me as much as this did so it looks like that could be our big winner this year at the Eisners. Uh, I'm definitely going to have to check that one out now. I it's 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 as, so good that I will be very disappointed. Not just uh, oh, it's too bad they didn't win. No, I'm going to be like super super disappointed if they don't win. It's just that kind of story where when you close the book and like I was telling you, you close the book and you run your hand over the cover and for that moment, you're changed. Your your perception of reality is changed, and it's fun. You allow yourself to be sucked into it, and it's just, it's an amazing story that has such an impact on you afterwards. And not necessarily everybody's going to get that, because there are some people who just read, and they don't get sucked in. They don't allow themselves to, or, or they can't. And by simple virtue of the fact that, again, I write, and also I have this in, insane imagination, and I love getting sucked into things and especially if it's insanely magical and kind of that that Alice in Wonderland where you are going down that rabbit hole and that's what this is and I again I can't speak highly enough of it okay well so expect something to see something that from that on the site soon and we're going to wrap up as usual with our recommended new releases or at least about half of our recommended new releases. Uh, this is a ridiculous list this week. So if you want to get the full list, definitely check out the site comicbookinformer.com because I think I would fall over dead before I got through the whole list here on the show. So we have Incorruptible number 17, Traveler number 6, the final issue of Brightest Day number 24, as well as the final issue of Justice League Generation Lost. We have Flash number 11, Scalped number 48, talked a bit about that last week, Zombie number 2. We have the first issue of a new miniseries from Image about zombies in the Vietnam War, titled 68. Uh, we have Marine Man number oh, 5. Looking forward to that. Mo- Morning Glories number nine Man. and Walking Dead number eighty. Oh, dude, <laughs> this this is a great week to be Image. Oh my goodness! You know, it's one of those things where we did we talked about number eighty three, and it's like, oh my god! And this has been painful waiting for this issue to come out. It's like, come on, just get your butts in gear, put it out early. <laughs> All right, we got Age of X Universe number two, Amazing Spider-Man number 659, nice. Captain America 617, 
FF number two. The hey, new... Are you really are you really looking forward to that one? I need to know quickly. For now. Okay. Um, I'm giving it a couple more. Okay. The new Mighty Thor ah. number one. The final chapter of Age of X and New Mutants 24. Issue number two of Ruse. I actually really liked issue one. Uh, we'll cover that at some point. Uncanny X-Men 536, three weeks in a row of Uncanny X-Men. Very good there. Venom number two and X-Men number 10. And like I said, that is a sample of the recommendations for this week. Yeah, busy week. All right. So that's going to wrap us up here for issue 23. As usual. Oh, actually, we have some news. We are changing our recording time for next week to 7 p.m. Eastern. Why is that important since we are just recording? Because we're going live. We, we've thought about it. We've had some feedback from our listeners. We have decided that starting next week, we will be broadcasting live as well as our normal recording for iTunes. So definitely check out the site, comicbookinformer.com. I'm sure you'll have some info up about that, correct, Raj? Uh, I'm going to have information up. I'm going to make sure that there is a page dedicated to it, same as I've done for our other podcast, so that people can easily get to the live broadcast from our site as well. It'll all be there. And I'll make sure that everything is good to go for next next week the other thing too is that we've been having a hard time and by we i mean me with itunes changing our feed name and it's come to the point where i'm going to just give up and i'm going to start the new feed just under comic book informer because they tend to approve those pretty fast and get them out it's not like we had uh, a ton of stuff on the other one anyways so it won't be a big deal to just start it from scratch and then people can just get the new feed and subscribe through itunes through the new one All right. Sounds good. So and uh, obviously to keep updated on that live show, follow us on Twitter at CB Informer. And once we get the new iTunes feed up and running, we would appreciate some reviews and we will see everybody next week. I just like a minute ago updated the show notes with the new X-Men trailer that was literally just released if you want to watch that real quick. Uncanny in a couple of... Whoa. All right. I guess I'm watching the trailer <laughs> first. This Is this the one that... Oh, okay, hold on. You can't hear me. It, I probably yeah. don't have to shout either. <laughs> British accents are really in this year. Yeah. It's like, well, it's... They're younger versions of Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen. We we have to be kind of British. <laughs> Who's the blonde? Oh, that's Emma. No, Mystique. Nah, that's Emma. Check out the clothes. <laughs> oh, diamond form. We should have done another live viewing. <laughs> <laughs> we already are. Dorky outfits. Black and yellow. What kind of stupid piece was never an option. You know, with all those missiles bearing down, and I don't care if it's Magneto there trying to stop them. If I got wings, bye, boys. (laughs) Nice knowing you. I wish you the best. (laughs) No, don't me. (laughs) No, let's go ahead and do this one now because. If we do it seven, I'm going to be eating dinner at like eight then. (laughs) Well, you'd have from now till seven to eat.
Yeah, I don't want to be taking a crap in the middle of the show. <laughs> really? That's a concern? It's always a concern. <laughs> really? Like, if you eat now. <laughs> if cropping I eat now, the- I'm going to be hungry before we go to bed. I have a schedule I have to maintain. <laughs> okay, princess. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Way to roll with the punches. Hey. You're not recording, are you? <laughs> Actually, (laughs) guess where we're getting our outtakes from this week. (laughs) No, next week I'll I'll, I'll have it worked out. You have to work out. (laughs) You have to schedule your meal and your crap before the show is what you're saying. I'm just just saying I wasn't prepared. I had my evening planned out kind of already tonight. So you had your evening planned out. Yes, and that includes dinner and other activities. The other activities can occur after we're done recording as well. Hopefully not while we're recording, but, you know, after. <laughs>